You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. quenching God. If you ignore the Holy Spirit, you are ignoring God. The Trinity, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one. They all have the same characteristics. They all have the same attributes, but yet they all operate in a different way. Three in one, the Holy Spirit in us. When you refuse the Holy Spirit in your life, You're turning your back on God and saying, no, I don't want that. When you disobey your mom, it's an offense to your dad as well. Why is this, you might ask? Because when your parents got married, God saw them as one. In a similar way, Pastor Dave is saying today that when you go against one counterpart of God, you're rebelling against all of the components of God in the Trinity. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 1 as he continues his message, I can do nothing of myself. They also saw Jesus being obedient to the Father in every way. He was obedient to God in every single way. The Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus, being in the form of God, didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. And that was starting at the highest point. Jesus started at the pinnacle. He was at the pinnacle, sitting on the right hand of God the Father. He was in the throne room when creation began. In fact, if you read John 1, 3, it says, All things were made through him, Jesus, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Can you imagine? Before the foundations of the world, Jesus made the choice to obey the Father. Before the foundations of the world, Jesus made the choice to obey the Father. God knew that his creation, man, would sin. God knew that his creation, man, would fall short of his glory. God knew that the creation, man, would come into trouble and need a way back. And Jesus was the one that said, here I am, send me. Send me. So what did he do? He took on human form. He came to earth and fashioned himself as a man. He humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He suffered humiliation. He suffered degradation. He suffered cursing. He suffered all this humiliation and all these things that were thrown at him, the scourging, the crown of thorns, everything that was thrown at him. He suffered it silently as a lamb to slaughter. He suffered it silently. And this was the lowest point. The lowest point that Jesus could get was during that time. During that time when he was suffering for us, when he was hanging on the cross, it was the lowest point that Jesus could possibly get. He went from the highest of highs, the highest depths, the throne room of God, down to the lowest depths, being hung on a cross to die, like a common criminal. The highest of highs. He did that so that he could redeem us to God. And he did it willingly. He did it willingly. He did it willingly from the riches of glory to poverty, even being born in a manger. 
a stinky stable, the lowest of low. He did that willingly. He did it for your sake. He did it for my sake. He did it for the world's sake. He did it for those who were going to cuss him, who were going to spit upon him, those who hated him, those who rejected him in every way. And he was willing to go and do the same thing for those who today reject him. Today, those who cuss him, those who spit upon him, those who hate his name. He did it for them too. He was willing to go for the sake of the whole world because he needed to show the world the Father's love. And he did that by going to a cross because on the cross he showed the world perfectly the Father's love for God so loved Jesus came to earth. He had no program to follow. He didn't have an agenda. He didn't have anything. He had a vision, but the vision was singular, the cross. That was his vision, and like a flint, he faced the cross and went to the cross. He never advanced his own thoughts. He didn't come to do his will. He came to do the Father's will. I don't seek my own. I seek the Father's will. He had complete submission to the Father, and this is where he got his power. His power came because he was completely submitted to the Father and allowed the Father to work through him. So as Jesus could do nothing apart from the Father, then we have to bring it now to our application. We then can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Because in John 15, 5, John writes these words in 15, 5. Jesus speaking, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You can do nothing without me, Jesus says. Without me you can do nothing. The power to live the Christian life is found in complete submission to Jesus Christ. Complete submission to him is where we get our power source. You got to lose connection? Get connected to the power source. Get connected to the power source, and you will receive the power that you need to live the Christian life. When we look at Jesus' relationship to the Father, we see our own relation to him in the same way. So just as the Father initiates, Jesus initiates things in our lives. Just as the Father sends, Jesus sends us. Just as the Father gives us a word to Jesus, Jesus gives us his word. As the Father commands, Jesus commands. As the Father gave Jesus authority, Jesus has given us authority to go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has this authority. We then submit to him. Just like Jesus was totally submitted to the Father, we then submit to Jesus. And remember that if you're submitting to Jesus, you are submitting to the Father. If you're submitting to Jesus, you are submitting to the Father. We subject ourselves to Him. We submit to Him. We respond to His commands. We obey and perform that which He's doing through our lives, through the Holy Spirit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you have this underlined in your Bible, folks? I have to have it in mind. I've got to underline it in mind, and I'll tell you why. So many times, I try to do things my own way. So many times I try to do things my own way, and man, have I failed miserably every time that happens. I failed, and I keep wondering, when is this thing ever going to sink into my heart and become true? That I might realize that apart from Jesus, I can do absolutely nothing. 
It's futile for me to even try, but yet we constantly try banging our heads against the wall until they bleed. See, any service that's directed towards God that is not done by the Spirit is worthless. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you might want to argue me. You're going to say, well, Dave, wait a minute. You just said, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And now you're saying that any uh, service towards God not directed by the Holy Spirit is worthless. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question. For 30-some-odd years, Jesus was alive. But for three years, he taught his disciples. He gave them commands. Love God with all your heart. Love each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. But before he went to the cross, before he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples one of the biggest commands that they needed to know. He told his disciples that he would hereafter direct all their activities in a new way. He was going to direct all their activities in a new way. Jesus said that now their guide was going to be someone different. It was going to be someone different. He would now direct and guide their activities by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. He told them that when the Spirit would come, John 14, 16. And Jesus, let's look at that. John 14, 16. And I pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Another helper. Jesus specifically used the word alos for another. And in the Greek, alos means exactly the same. What Jesus was saying is, God's going to send another. God's going to send another. Just like God sent me, God's going to send another. He's going to be just like me and the Father. Just like me and the Father. And he said that if I go away, you're going to have an advantage. I have to go for you to have this advantage, he said. He promised that if he sent the Holy Spirit they, when he departed, that there would be an advantage. He meant that the present work of the Holy Spirit would actually be better for them than his work then. He said, the Holy Spirit, you're going to do better things. You're going to see better things. The Holy Spirit. Why? Well, first and foremost, the biggest reason why is that so that Jesus could be with every believer at every time. If Jesus was still on earth in bodily form, because of his human body, he would be limited to where he could be. He couldn't be everywhere. And I don't know about you, but if he wasn't with me, I'd be upset. I'd be mad at you because he was with you instead of me. So Jesus said, I'm going to solve this problem, pal. God's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come to each and every one of you as you accept Jesus Christ. He's going to come in you, because that's the second verse in John um, 14. In 14, 16, 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, remember, Alos, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's coming and he's going to be in you. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in you. He's with the world, convicting the world of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment. But Jesus said, this is for your benefit. I'm going to go away and I'm going to give you something that's going to benefit you because I will be with you forever. 
How else could he say, wherever two or three are gathered, I appear in their midst? He appears in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus were body present in human form, many of us would be upset because he wasn't with us. This is an advantage of you. Even David wrote, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Everywhere I go, you're there. So the spirit is everywhere now. Everywhere. And it's better now because we have a more trusting relationship in God. If Jesus was here bodily on earth, it would be an enormous challenge to our walk. Why? Because we wouldn't need faith. He would be there. I would see him. You know, the scripture says, now abide faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Why does it say that? Because faith is going to fade away when I see Jesus face to faith. I don't need faith anymore. My hope is going to be gone when I see Jesus face to faith. There's no longer hoping in him. But the one thing that's going to remain forever is love. His love will remain forever and wash over me continually. Wash over me continually. God wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. If Jesus was here today, we would be looking at him, watching in him. And don't get me wrong, that would be a good thing. But we wouldn't be walking by faith. We wouldn't be walking by faith. We would be walking by sight. Jesus was here today, it would be confusing to us. Is he still suffering? Is he still hurting? I thought he came down from the cross. I thought he rose from the dead. Why is he still here? Is he still suffering? It might be difficult. I thought the work on the cross was finished. Why is he still here? We would be confused. We would think that he was unsympathetic. He doesn't know what we feel, how we feel. God doesn't want you to struggle with this dilemma today. So Jesus is no longer here. He's enthroned in heaven on the right hand of God the Father. Before Jesus left, the disciples were just, well, you remember them. I'm greater. No, I'm greater. No, I am. You are. No, no, blah, blah, blah. They were afraid. They were thick-headed. They were selfish. They were self-centered. But after Jesus left and the helper came, look at their lives after Pentecost. Look at their lives after Pentecost. The change in Peter alone. The change in these men after Pentecost. Once the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. It's truly to our advantage that Jesus should leave. Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, but let's make a critical, critical statement here. God has always been in heaven, where he belongs, God the Father. Jesus now is in heaven with God the Father, seated on the right hand. That's what it says in Scripture. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the Holy Spirit is now the primary agent of the Godhead at work today on earth. The Holy Spirit is the primary agent. The Holy Spirit is the one who is gathering believers. He's gathering believers together, assembling a bride for Christ. He's gathering together. It's called the church. And through the church, the work of God is being done. The Holy Spirit in Greek is called the Paracletus. It means the one who comes alongside what does he do? He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He leads us into all truth. He's our helper. He's the power source behind our ability to witness and the power source behind our ability to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is that power source. He's our strength. He's our provider. He's going to take care of us in times of emergency. He'll be with us anytime we need him. He was the one that was sent by God, and he is called in Acts 1, 4, and 5, the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. You don't have to go it alone. 
I don't have to go it alone. Jesus said, I'm sending someone alongside who's going to help you. We could never make it apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling today, if you're struggling today with, with so many things and you think that the Christian life is just too hard, maybe you need to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's a loose connection somewhere. You need to be reconnected. What does the Holy Spirit do in you? What does the Holy Spirit do now? Well, Jesus said in John 15, 26, when he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will testify of me. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is testifying of Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit reproves the world of sin, what sin is it? It's the sin of not believing in Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit testifies of righteousness, he's pointing at Jesus Christ and saying, this is the righteousness that will get you to heaven, believing upon Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And his testimony of judgment He's telling us that the prince of the world has already been judged on a cross. The prince of the world has been judged. John tells us to test every spirit to see if it's from God. How do we do that? John says, well, it's simple. If a spirit says and believes that Jesus Christ came as a man incarnate, then it's from God. If that spirit does not, then it is not from God. We're to test these spirits. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and exalt himself. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and make him known. I'm the Holy Spirit. No, he doesn't do that. He quietly comes in and does his thing, and he points to Jesus Christ. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to Jesus Christ. What did he say? He will testify of me. He will testify of me. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus Christ. Jesus told them that the helper, the Spirit, was coming, and he would continue the teaching work of Jesus in John 14, 26. He explained that he would be the teacher now. He was the teacher. We read here in Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, this whole book was written by the Holy Spirit, inspired men to write this book by the Holy Spirit, it says. So he's still teaching Everything the Spirit does is consistent with the testimony and nature of Jesus. His job is to tell us, to show us who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. If spiritual things happen that are not consistent with the nature of Jesus, it isn't the Holy Spirit. It is not the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will testify of Jesus. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. When you are not born again, the Holy Spirit is with you. He surrounds you. He's with you. He convicts you of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. He's around you. But then when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's in you. To do what? To lead you into all truth. To conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. He does those things, but he wants to empower you to be his witness. He wants to empower you to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And we call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the third entity. When Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem, Acts 1.8, wait in Jerusalem for the power, the promise of the Father will come upon you, and you will be witnesses of me, Jesus said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all over the world. All over the world. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be this witness. And notice that how Jesus often used these last words with his disciples, he tied together the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. The Trinity is right there in front of us, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's right there. He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name. Spirit, 
Father, Son, the Trinity right there. But the Comforter is to come, whom I will send from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Look how intertwined they are. Look how intertwined they are. The Father, Son, and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit being sent by the Father at the request of Jesus Christ. Coming and bearing witness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Every pronoun that is given for him, just like God, is a he. It's a masculine name, but he's a gentleman. He will never force his way on you. However, you've accepted Christ, he's in you now. But to get the power, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But some people don't seem to want that connection. They're timid about that connection. And then they grieve the Holy Spirit. They quench the Holy Spirit. They ignore the Holy Spirit. I thought about this. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're grieving God. If you quench the Holy Spirit, you're quenching God. If you ignore the Holy Spirit, you are ignoring God. The Trinity, three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one. They all have the same characteristics. They all have the same attributes, but yet they all operate in a different way. Three in one. The Holy Spirit in us. When you refuse the Holy Spirit in your life, you're turning your back on God and saying, no, I don't want that. What did Luke say? What father, when a son asks for a fish, gives him a stone? or gives them a serpent, how much more will your Father give to you the Holy Spirit if you ask for it? If you ask for it. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the Apostle Paul, after Ananias prayed for him, when the Holy Spirit came upon the Apostle Paul, he would write to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, not some things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ strengthens us by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that is the power source in our lives. Please understand that, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Holy Spirit that is our power source. To reject him is to reject God the Father and Jesus. Don't reject the Spirit in your life. Submit to the Spirit. Submit to him. And allow him access to your life to lead and guide. And I guarantee you will start living the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived. With joy, with peace, with happiness. All the fruits of the Spirit. God wants that for you. He wants that for you. He wants that today. He wants that today. Are you connected to the power source? You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.